views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Descending from the tribes of Africa, inspired by the great black leaders. Yes, welcome to Race Treaty. I want to apologize for a late start this evening, which is 8 2015 uh, Tonight, uh, no guests, but we're going to talk and uh, ramble a bit concerning politics and politics, human rights and metadata. And the topic of the show, obviously, is because of the, uh, the uproar with the uh, presidential campaign amongst the candidates and the Black Lives Matter confrontation with Bernie Sanders and the subsequent posting that Black Lives Matter doesn't endorse candidates. Uh, well, that created somewhat of a friction this week as uh, Del Rey, uh, brother from We, Pro- we the Protesters, basically uh, has drawn up policies and is prepared to engage uh, the politicians uh, with a list of policies and potential uh, demands. Um, so as relates, as, relates to, uh, as relates to the Black Lives Matter, uh, I only can assume that all Black Lives Matter, then all black folks are part of Black Lives Matter uh, as a movement, not as an organization, a 501c3, a tweet, uh, Twitter page, Facebook page, but a movement. And um, we've had various national reactions, obviously, to uh, the Bernie Sanders interruption, and we had the response by the, uh, the liberals and uh, subsequently meetings uh, took place with Bernie Sanders, took place with Hillary Clinton. But for a moment, I want to digress on the issue of this uh, political campaign in general, because personally, I don't do politics. Um, I feel that the national campaign uh, for presidency is basically who's going to be the next president of white supremacy. Who's going to take the reins of the established system of oppression. No matter what the rhetoric is, policy recommendations or otherwise, um, to date, nothing's changed from legislation, civil rights actions, nothing's changed. And I say that when I, to say folks in North Carolina are marching for voters' rights, folks are protesting against police brutality, uh, folks are interrupting political campaigns uh, for moments of silence, um, which is due respect for Mike Brown. But nevertheless, uh, we again are inside of the framework 
of white supremacy, looking for answers, looking for antidotes, looking for remedies, looking for justice. And uh, one of my sayings is racism cannot render justice. And so as we uh, approach this presidential campaign in the background, something's going on that um, most people aren't really aware of, and that is the obligation on the part of the White House or the federal government to respond to the, uh, the most previous uh, recent uh, UN uh, report uh, concerning the violations of human rights. And let me digress again for another minute. You know, um, I am hopeful, prayerful, and been waiting in the wings to see a human rights campaign, a human rights people movement. Uh, we hear headlines of the new civil rights movement, and I disagree. I believe this movement has to be about human rights. And why? Because if you go down the list of the violations uh, of the United States and human rights, they're, they're all under international law. The protests, the extrajudicial police killings, the issue of the 13th Amendment and the continuation of modern-day slavery are all human rights issues. And we have a voice uh, that we should be raising uh, to the international arena. So recently, uh, there's a recent CERD task force uh, article that came out called Media Spotlight on the Issue, a National Embarrassment. Police use of force stats reveal roadblocks to reform. So the issue of the metadata, uh, there as of now are not any federal obligations to aggregate all uh, police reports on violence and extrajudicial killings and shootings and what reports have been uh, forwarded include police hitting someone, beating someone, so the metadata uh, is actually confusing uh, in that it doesn't have uh, a real tight requirement and it's not using the science of data to uh, aggregate this information. Uh, so what it does is causes confusion in the way of forming policy around these statistics. Uh, another issue in terms of the use of statistics is that uh, we had a movement uh, a few years ago with CERD in the United Nations, and I proposed, uh, and it was accepted by some of our friends in Europe, that we create a uh, portal referencing CERD, racism, discrimination, white supremacy. And when I say portal, I'm saying create a, a uh, site where you can enter and get all information concerning not only judicial uh, police killings, extrajudicial police killings, but all violations of CERD, which is discrimination, racism. In other words, there's reports from every business, every nonprofit, every government agency concerning diversity, concerning statistics on minorities hired, uh, concerning their policies towards non-discrimination. And I say, let's pull 
all of this information into one portal and then dissect it into the various areas of people activity uh, starting with obviously the judicial system with law enforcement which is multiple prongs not only police killings uh, stop and frisk profiling but also the whole advent of uh, privatization of black bodies in terms of the private prison system, the for-profit motive in, uh, in arresting uh, black men. In fact, they're preparing the uh, funnel for this money-making uh, industry starting in basically in third grade. It's called the School to Prison Pipeline. And they're projecting, if not uh, enhancing, the probability of black bodies being incarcerated for money and profit. Meanwhile, though, uh, there was a request in the National Universal Periodic Review by the UN. There was a request in some of their demands that the United States starts reporting uh, these extrajudicial uh, police killings and all police violence. And as of now, the only aggregate uh, metadata collection is being done by a newspaper in Europe, in England, I believe, it's The Guardian. Um, and we have, you know, uh, a site called um, killedbypolice.net, but it's not a formal reporting process. Uh, and so... Uh, that doesn't fit the bill. Um, there's a lot of uh, language concerning the UN and CERD uh, this past August review. Uh, there's a mandatory one-year follow-up by the U.S. government. Uh, I believe in September the president is supposed to respond uh, to the violations of human rights with a plan. Meanwhile, uh, the U.S. Human Rights Network, and we discussed this a few years ago, about formulating a national plan um, in reference to uh, CERD and racial justice. Um, I don't hold much um, in the way of a national plan being, uh, being announced and presented by our president this September, although I would hope that there would be. But one of the indicators is that um, the president of the United States uh, spoke on the necessity to acquire membership, documentation, and information concerning uh, America's number one uh, terrorist organization, and that's the KKK, the Klan. And no one's responded uh, in terms of Congress, Senate, concerning uh, that statement by the president that he would like to see uh, unveiling of these white supremacists, and uh, there has been no follow-up. Uh, when we talk about the KKK, we're talking about hood, hooded, uh, lower income, lower stratum white folks that uh, hate blacks and Jews and Mexicans and are prepared to uh, to utilize violence. But the problem with that membership and the reason why it hasn't gained any traction in, in my estimation is that it will unveil the presence of KKK and white supremacists in law enforcement, local politics, and so there's basically uh, uh, a no-word response to the president's request. Meanwhile, the United Nations is requesting 
that the United States improve the reporting of cases involving excessive force. And there is no way that new policy can be developed without that hard data. And so the strengthening of the oversight and accountability uh, cannot be put in place until that raw data is, is extracted from the, uh, the various law enforcement agencies. And this has not happened. So in keeping with the, uh, the title of the, uh, the show tonight, uh, Politics and Polytricks, we're going to just start with what is politics. Uh, because uh, people seem to think that it's about electing an official to represent uh, our interests uh, in Washington, D.C. And the technical definition of politics by definition uh, is a practice of influencing people. It refers to achieving and exercising positions of governance. In fact, it's organized control over a human community, particularly a state. So as we get into the definition of politics, I say polytricks in that uh, basically, campaigners or politicians are running um, on the financing primarily of corporations, but also they're running on a platform of policies that they would like to institute once they obtain that position. And um, to date, there has never been a United States president that has created a national plan to address white supremacy. Uh, racism. Although the United States has signed a treaty, has ratified that treaty, and then went into what I call the uh, polytrick stage, and they created what is called a re reservation, where they now put the language in that treaty, in that agreement that they would uphold human rights, they state in the reservation, well, the United States Constitution, our civil rights apparatus is more than enough uh, protection for our citizens. So although we agree with this universal uh, law definition of uh, discrimination and uh, international law, human rights law, uh, we feel that uh, United States law is better than basically the human rights law. It's more than enough protection. And we know this is not true. Uh, in fact, let's be specific concerning civil rights. Civil rights is applied to, what, housing and employment, but it's not applied to education, it's not applied to uh, the Justice Department, it's not applied to all the areas of people activity, but what has been selected by the federal government through civil rights legislation. And so they're allotting civil rights to uh, black folks in reference to um, employment and housing but it's not an all-encompassing protection. In fact, as we repeat and state oftentimes, with civil rights, you have to prove intent. So how can you prove intent of an apparatus that's designed to oppress you on its own, self-perpetuating, if you will, and you're supposed to prove that they had ill intent to discriminate against you? Whereas with human rights, the outcomes, the disparate outcomes, are evidence of discrimination and the apparatus of racism. And let's speak to the disparate outcomes. 
the disparate outcomes, which is the human rights language of the CERD law. Uh, it references uh, the statistics, hard data, the disparate outcomes, outcomes in and of itself are the result of a uh, applied uh, investigation and reporting process. Well, here's the technology and the polytricks. So, uh, while this human rights law states uh, disparate outcomes, uh, the United States doesn't uh, utilize their science of IT technology to drive metadata concerning the outcome of, in terms of the reports on police violence. Uh, they, the disparate outcome uh, demands of the United States and any uh, participant of that human rights uh, treaty uh, to address these issues of disparate outcome. But one of the polytricks is if we can't come up with the outcome by virtue of we don't collect that data. And so we rely on reports uh, from various elements of our, our government, be it federal, state, or local, uh, in referencing uh, violations of human rights. And I say human rights in reference to all of these issues that black America is facing. Uh, with the extrajudicial police killings, the disappearance of black women, 64,000 missing black women, the prison to school to prison pipeline, and the 13th Amendment, the language in and of itself uh, is problematic, as obviously, as it, there's an exception clause that basically is the loophole for continuation of, uh, of um, slavery, and slavery never ended. In fact, the language of the legal apparatus of the United States government from its onset has been suspect when it defined uh, and described people of color, black Americans, as three-quarters human or three-fifths human. To me, uh, right there, uh, regardless of amendments and rhetoric, uh, that makes that legal apparatus suspect and how it can include others under the flowery names and words of the Constitution that, in fact, was not intended, speaking of intentionality, was not intended to uh, respect the rights and include as citizens uh, those that uh, suffer through slavery. And so the Johnny-come-lately language of inclusion has never been full inclusion. Uh, in fact, uh, the legal apparatus is basically filled with polytricks. Uh, the 14th Amendment uh, allegedly freed slaves, but basically the 14th Amendment is the corporation's uh, uh, hero, legislative-wise. It's, it's set a, upon a path of personhood uh, for corporations, and subsequently there have been like 100-plus uh, legal findings concerning corporations, processes that happen over a period of time, uh, starting with uh, the, the uh, Ferguson Plessy, and then there's the the Dred Scott, excuse me, the Dred Scott decision, Brown versus Board decisions. These are all Johnny Come Lately uh, uh, antidotes to a consistent problem within uh, the United States, which is white supremacy. And rather than acknowledge that the whole system 
is suspect. The whole system is broke. The whole system was based and founded, promulgated, developed, maintained for white supremacy. And uh, there's some major issues uh, along the lines of this metadata issue. Uh, how can one be held accountable uh, to an issue of police uh, killings and extrajudicial uh, police killings when hard data is not uh, demanded and uh, shared and released with uh, the world, basically. Uh, what it will prove is, again, the violations of human rights. But rather than, uh, rather than address the human rights issues, uh, the politicians are prepared to insert policy proposals into their platforms. Uh, I have not heard any proposal to adhere to human rights law, to uh, utilize the, uh, the frameworks of human rights law as relates to racism, discrimination. Um, that's not referenced at all or demanded. And while we're out protesting and developing uh, uh, confrontational issues for the politicians, there's really only one question uh, that would really address all the issues that uh, we should be making to the politicians, and that is, are you prepared to adhere to human rights law? Are you prepared to adhere to the legal framework which you signed on to? And I'm speaking of the U.S. government. Are you prepared to embrace human rights and grant the citizens of this country, the respect that uh, are given them through human rights uh, at birth, uh, not civil rights granted by the United States government concerning employment or housing, human rights law granted all citizens of this world that we live in on earth, and uh, we're not adhering to that basic premise of human rights. And again, you know, this is the echo of uh, Malcolm X, who saw all of this uh, in his vision of the future for African Americans, and that is that we need to enter the international arena with our issues. But I see a further uh, problematic uh, neutralizing of our movements, co-opting of our, our movements, and I'm speaking of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, by getting sucked into the vortex of politics. And okay, we'll be right back. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Yes, welcome back to Race Treaty, hosted by the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, there's been, uh, in addition to the political uh, issues with black 
Lives Matter and the subsequent split, uh, one group, uh, we pro, we the protesters are really taking on the issue of formulating our issues into policies so that we can demand based on those policies. But in actuality, again, uh, even when you're dealing with policies, you're dealing with a legislative process, uh, and we have a blanket policy, if you will, that would address all these issues. And that is the CAT, the uh, Convention Against Torture, and the Convention for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. And we're not leveraging the laws. Uh, we have allowed a few human rights groups in the United States to basically uh, attempt to shame the government uh, into compliance or at least to uh, lend some focus on the, the issues of their violations. Um, I every day search uh, online uh, through the news uh, aggregates for information on uh, white supremacy. And I also uh, really look hard under human rights to see what information and news items come up under human rights. And by and large, all of the news that's coming out about human rights and human rights violations references uh, other countries, none about the United States. Uh, I don't know if there's a media blackout. Of course, that's fair to think and probably... Um, expect, but uh, the issue of human rights is an international global issue. The issues confronting African Americans is an international and global issue, and we need to address it in that framework. Uh, running around to uh, politicians who are basically uh, in position to control the masses uh, with uh, requests and demands and shaming, um, I don't think is going to work. Uh, I don't think proposing policies, for that matter, is going to work. Uh, if you go back to the statistics on politicians and uh, their adhering to their platforms once they get into office, uh, bad statistics. Uh, one of the major uh, campaign uh, platform issues for Obama was obviously closing uh, Guantanamo Bay and Guantanamo Bay and the issue with the torture. Well, they sidestepped the torture report, and uh, Guantanamo Bay is still open. Um, so I don't know what expectations or hope we can have that one individual out of the whole history of the United States is sordid history: genocide, stolen land, stolen labor. How there's going to be one? politician that finally brings it, one president that brings it up as a national issue that is, uh, that demands uh, a plan, new laws, enforcement. That's never been done. And quite honestly, uh, Yes, it has, if you don't mind me chiming in. Bring it, bring it. Who, who are you referring to? Um, the liar, the racist white supremacist known as Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln had no intentions of, of, of freeing anyone from chattel slavery. I have found letters uh, that other people have uncovered where he's writing a Georgia congressman uh, right when it seems like he's going to be <laughs> elected and he tells him 
tells this congressman described as his friend that please tell, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, please tell your people in the South that I have no intentions of abolishing uh, slavery. I don't have any intentions to to interfere in your institution and whatnot. But but he was forced to do what the little bit that he did do. He was forced by the abolitionist movement. So I'm in agreement with you that no one presidential presidential candidate is going to come into office and, you know, wave a magic wand and and solve all of these problems or whatnot. No, there has always been a movement that has forced the change of any kind of action that the United States government has taken. They have been forced to do these things, not, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts. That's the way I see it. I'm, I may be wrong, Brother Robin. Well, Brother, as as relates to the the president, and I was referring to a national plan to address the issue of white supremacy, mm-hmm. what Lincoln engaged in was the polytrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure uh, his, his, his plan was uh, a polytrick plan, which is change the language uh, and still maintain the, the institution. The yeah, the institution of rich. Because let's, let's remember now, most white people uh, did not enslave anyone. Like, for example, the research I did on my own county, it was only about 300 families out of 13,000 white people who actually you know enslaved someone uh but but the rest fell in love with the ideal that you know one day i too may become you know a white well, en- en- enslaver well, you're right scotty but but in actuality there's an industry multiple industries built around slavery so even though yeah, those yeah. white folks didn't own slaves they were slave catchers and they had they the aspirations to become full-blown plantation owners so so yeah yeah but what but what i'm saying i didn't lost my train of thought brother robin but what i'm saying is yeah president lincoln engaged in trichnology with the third politics as you call it with the 13th amendment but he lied to all of those abolitionists like frederick Douglass and all the others during that time period because the Republican Party started as an abolitionist platform. So he told them what they wanted to hear to get the nomination. But once he had the nomination in hand, he had no intentions of following through on an abolitionist platform. And that's evidenced by the letter that he sent to that Georgia congressman saying as, as, as much. I'm, I don't plan on doing anything. And then you know once the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, it did not even apply to the states that were not in rebellion. Exactly. And in addition to that, at the same exact time, they gave the merchants a new identity called a corporation mm-hmm. and gave it personhood, gave him the rights that the slave or a citizen should have. It gave to an invisible being that has no mandate of ethics or morals in its uh, uh and its existence, its existence mm-hmm. is centered around profit. Mm-hmm. And so you created them. They created a monster with the same legislation that they uh, promote as having freed the slaves. Now, what I remember about uh, uh, Lincoln was in second grade, we had a teacher that gave everybody in our class a penny and told us that this was the man that freed our people, slaves. Now, 
I never really understood that and until I read and when I was 10 or 11 years old quotes from uh, Lincoln stating that if I uh, can end this war without freeing one slave I'll do it but if I have to free slaves to end this war I will do that so I, I, I surmise from that all along that that wasn't his intent to free the slaves he was doing it out of uh, a consideration of the war I only mentioned that because even though I do report on and analyze, you know, uh, politics and, and politicians and whatnot. But like you said, though, I just I, I just wanted to tie that into the abolitionists of the 1800 thought that Lincoln was a real abolitionist. He talked to talk, but, you know. Uh, uh, they thought he walked the walk, but when it came down to push and shove, once he actually got into office, he did no such thing. Well, let, let's let's redirect the focus to the abolitionists, okay? okay. I, I want to say something, bro. I want to say something about the abolitionists. The first abolitionists uh, that were organizing were within the Quaker Church, right? And the mandate for ending slavery. Those things were proper on the part of the abolitionists. Uh, I don't know where the abolitionists stood in terms of economic rights as the 40 acres and a mule. But what I do know is that uh, for this, this group called the Quakers, their most prominent black uh, 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 member, if you will, who, by the way, brother, I tie him into uh, Denmark Vesey's uh, uprising too. But... Uh, Paul Cuffey owned his own shipyard and he only hired blacks and he only had blacks on his boats and the man went to Africa he went to Liverpool he went to Haiti there were some underground things going on at the end of the day though uh, uh, Paul Cuffey's buried in the under the back steps of the meeting house out in Cape Cod that he had built he was the first actual first African-American millionaire but we don't really identify the man uh, and, and the, the depth of his influence because he wrote letters to Lincoln saying, look, y'all trying to tax me and you won't even consider me a citizen. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to tax me? And I'm, I'm a free black or I'm a man of color, but I'm not a citizen. You know, my rights, your rights to the white man don't apply to me in this country. So how are you going to tax me? So in the compromise, that's where the inheritance law came in, where blacks were not even allowed uh, to pass their money onto their offspring. Do you know? Mm -mm -mm. So what he did was he went broke setting up his family and friends in their own businesses mm. and died pretty much uh, without the, that wealth that he had amassed. But my issue is these are the abolitionists, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm speaking of today. Mm -hmm. He is buried without a marker, mm -mm -mm. with no fanfare acknowledgement on, under the back stairs of the meeting house that he built and had, by the way, had to sit in the back pew also when he attended. Mm -mm -mm. And, you know, he did this his whole life uh, with these folks. And so, although, you know, the sentiment of the abolitionists, uh, you know, are kind of altruistic you know very good white people who see the light right uh right there's there's still these issues of um acknowledging or what i would call implicit bias how is that 
by what's manifested over the years. Um, and I've talked to some Quakers recently, and I asked them, for all your focus on the world and peace and war and Palestine everywhere, why haven't you focused inwardly, first of all, uh, to become an anti or a racial justice or social justice uh, organization? Um, why aren't you dealing with your own issues in terms of institutions. You run the institutions. You exist and, and function every day inside institutions. What are you doing where you live and, and breathe every day that, which holds power? You know, which, you, you, I don't know if you were aware of it because you, you made it down to the protests, right, down there at yeah, the Confederate yeah. flag. There were some Quakers that came down there to specifically to meet with Max Parthas. My point is that they're always, they're prepared to, they're in Cuba, you know, mm -hmm. they go, uh, they're in Palestine and they're, you know, and also they're, they have an adjunct organization, uh, that's really, uh, the, it's called AFSC, mm -hmm. the American Friends Service Committee. Right, I'm aware. And, mm -hmm. and so they do new schools, they do great work, by the way. But my, my issue is, in terms of the abolitionists, is mm -hmm. it died out. Mm -hmm. It died out, and it wasn't based on a personality in office because, quite frankly, I believe that municipal law, supreme law of the land, as is, you know, uh, the Constitution and treaties. are so, so, in other words, where these groups of white folks live, what did they do in terms of the institutions and the structures, legal and otherwise, where they lived, in the communities they lived, mm -hmm. in the institutions that were maintaining white supremacy. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't see, you know, any move towards dismantling. I saw lamentations and petitions right. to the federal government, but I didn't see proactive collective action on the part of freedmen in terms of uh, economic <laughs> status to buy folks out of slavery or to buy off politicians on a local level. So, I, you know, the abolitionists as a theme is appropriate, and so is new abolitionists. Uh, but uh, uh, the issue is, is that we don't hold what we supposedly call our allies in a, a relationship of accountability. Mm -hmm. Basically, we support, and this is why the white liberals went haywire uh, about Black Lives Matter disrupting Bernie uh, Sanders, and he's claiming that he's an abolitionist now. I I, I read that. No, he didn't go about. that far. He just you know, said he, he just said abolishing the news private prisons about a week ago. Yeah, I, yeah. And I saw Max went went off on that, but it was really after the fact that and there's been no follow up because obviously him embracing Black Lives Matter and a racial justice platform on uh, dealing with systemic racism would automatically be part of that abolitionist he, mind. He, he claims that he's going to introduce legislation in September to abolish twenty uh, uh private prisons so while that is i would consider that a abolitionist act uh i would not consider him an abolitionist because an abolitionist has to first acknowledge uh, that slavery was never abolished and it still exists in 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 uh, yeah that's what i feel like an abolitionist. That ain't no, that's not an abolitionist act man wait that's wait a, let me finish a, not, though. Wait, wait hold on, let me say this that's okay. a capitalist act because before the oh, you talking about Bernie? You talking about what he doing? Yeah, I'm talking about the privatized business, uh, 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 prison system. The legislation comes after the business minds and the millionaires 
plot and plan. Mm -hmm. They invested. In fact, Dick Cheney had built fucking, I don't know how many prisons were sitting around this country empty until they finally had warped these these poor white folks' minds and pushed legislation through uh, to make those bodies fill in those prisons. So the, it was it was an act of power first, and then it's played out through the mechanisms mm -hmm. of media and legislation to fill their coffers. Now, yeah, a democratic or a socialist, they can make them back up on their on their holdings. Uh, they can break those contracts where they have to maintain eighty percent capacity. Uh, you know. Uh, and so it's economic and capitalist. Also, he, he said I mean, abolish it, period, though, like outlawing private prisons. That's where he's coming from. And I was thinking about that, you know, while, you know, in between programming today. And I was like, if he really seriously is talking about introducing legislation to abolish private prisons, we may read a know, headline about him being found dead somewhere. Cause we're well, talking you know, about. Uh, I have a different version mm -hmm. on that. You write about that, but you know that's just basically uh, per uh, uh, administration. They get to push their their buttons during the administration to make money, mm -hmm. and the next one doesn't disrupt the previous one mm -hmm. uh, unless there's some problems. So you so if, even if they did do away with privatization, mm -hmm. all that means is that it goes back to the government. Yeah, to the government owned. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And for me, I go back to my original argument was, well, shit, NAACP or all these black millionaires, they need to be taxed 10% of their earnings, every darn one of them, sports and entertainers, and we can build our own industry of private prisons, turn them into universities of learning where they won't want to lock a black person up, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, you, because we live in a capitalist system, to switch over to a government holdings on an oppressive institution is not going to do the trick. To me, I would rather him introduce legislation saying we're going to abide by human rights law as right. we had signed for right. the first time in American history. Uh, in fact, in referencing that, in the power of the local, and that's why I, I talk about Quakers and local where they live. Where we live, if we have 700 cities in this country that are predominantly non-white, and we're we got black folks in every position holding up white supremacist status. It seems that our campaign should be on a human rights basis to enact certain the local law. And I say that because the corporations are now have entered in and 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 have a presence in the international courts. Yeah. They can be sued in international courts, but they plan to sue governments. For violating, for example, the contracts they have with the U.S. Uh, for for keeping uh, eighty percent filled with bodies in mm -hmm. those prisons. Yeah. So there. So so my point is is that we need to be there also, and we can do this by acting local and connect global. And I say that because it happened in Chicago. I mean, the city I'm, council. Mm -hmm. The city council extracted human rights law. Cat took the language from it. And, and, and gave $5.5 million to the victims of torture on the part of the police based on that same language of that law mm. that the U.S. Abides, uh, is bound to buy, abide by, mm -hmm. but is in violation of. Yeah. And they had a justification to do that based on the U.S. federal and state governments are in violation of human rights international law. But we can't bring them to compliance and compel them uh, into accountability unless we enact it locally. That's the power of the people is local. 
we waiting for the federal government. We waiting for civil rights leaders. That's 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 to me ain't worth. I, I don't and, think that I I wouldn't say that people are waiting. I think that people have still not given up on politics. And, you know, like in the new abolitionist movement, we say death by a thousand paper cuts. Okay. If you truly believe that that's the way to go, then you go that way. I'm not going to tell you not to work in the arena of politics. If you think that another way is through war, I'm not going to tell you not to wage war on these neo-slave catchers of death by a thousand paper cuts. But, but you are right. I will accept, I, I will count it as a victory. If we could get private prisons abolished, but like Max has said, like I'm saying, that's just that's that's still not winning the war. We still no. have not ended slavery and, and just, you know, to keep the focus on human rights like you always do. We believe that that the 13th Amendment should reflect the same language that the human rights treaties reflect. Absolutely. That say Absolutely. all forms of slavery. Absolutely. Shall be abolished. This is what I've been saying all along, Mm -hmm. and that it also encompasses the reparations issue. Right. That crimes against humanity. Right. Our our history is built on crimes against humanity, and that's where why white folks shut up when you talk about reparations. They'd be liberal as I don't know what, down with you. But when they talk about, they can't wrap their head around giving black folks money. And even though it wouldn't be individual, it'd be institutions that we could build because we need mental health institutions to deprogram ourselves from this, right. this white racist system. Deal with this wa- PTSD. Yeah, brother, it's there. It's and, and I mean, I, I I'm dealing with some folks locally trying to organize, and these folks are the folks. This city had the blacks stop Martin Luther King from getting off the bus, saying, "We don't need you. We everything's fine here." And uh, so you got that and the Christian thing where they're homophobic to the degree that they're actively anti uh, and the city's full of, of, you know, it's intersectional. And so they don't want to deal with human rights. He would vote for a Republican rather than a liberal candidate because that liberal candidate might be gay. Meanwhile, the Republican is trying to take his, his congregation's vote. Mm-hmm. And, and, and but can I read something, man? Yeah, Hubert before Harrison you, is one before, of my heroes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Be, before go ahead, you go. do, let me just tell the listening audience that uh, the Lotus Place will not be on air live tonight, as uh, Sister Black Rose is assisting a uh, new college student and helping them get moved into the dorms. And so she um, just wanted to uh, me to pass that along that she won't, will not be on air tonight. She'll be back Sunday night. Go ahead, brother Robin. All right. Um, One of my heroes, uh, Hubert Harrison and uh, brother that really motivated Marcus Garvey, but nobody talks about him, but he had, he had uh, written, uh, back in the 30s concerning lynching, his cause and the cure. And I just wanted to read a few quotes from there. He mm-hmm. says, why do the white men lynch black men in America? We are not dealing here with the original historical cause, nor even with its present social application. We are considering merely the efficient cause. White men lynch black men or any other men because those men's lives are unprotected, either by the authorities of the commonwealth or by the victims themselves. White men lynch Negroes in America because Negroes' lives are cheap. So long as they remain so, lynching will remain the evil to be talked about, written about, petitioned against, and slobbered over. 
but not all the slobber, the talk, or the petitions are worth the time. What then is the cure? Wow. The cure follows from a nature of the cause. Let Negroes determine that their lives shall no longer be cheap, mm-hmm. but that they will exact from them as high a price as mm-hmm. any other element in the community under the similar circumstances would exact. Mm. Let them see to it that their lives are protected and defended, if not by the state, then by themselves. Amen. So, Amen. You know, I say, I say to that. I say, brother. And so, you know, self-determination is not pleading to the system to say, we want police reform. We want this. We want that. I'm saying self-determination demands and enacts uh, actively, legally, in the, in the international courts against the U.S.'s violations. Someone else needs to hear, uh, uh, the, the world community needs to really hear the workings of white supremacies, and we know it best here in the U.S., but we're fragmented. I, I'm, I'm still hoping and praying for a national uh, convention that includes all of the sciences in black leadership, not just civil rights, not just psychologists, not just law. I'm saying the whole, all the spectrums and deal with the, the oppressive system of white supremacy systemically and, and, and unity in the sciences. Because right now, this implicit bias factor uh, that the Supreme Court acknowledged exists has not played out in the fact that we are still under the burden of intentionality in the realm of civil rights. And at any rate, all things in the U.S. end in the Supreme Court, which is the Supreme Court of white supremacy. So I don't see, you know, we can work in all the elements and all the angles and all the levels and all the areas, but we have yet to enter into the one that may grant us our freedom. And, and, and also, we would also learn to leverage our power. And also, on the UN, with an identity as a people in this country, we, there's an economic base involved there as well. See, because the U.S.'s Constitution, while everyone automatically thinks this is such a great thing, especially since they finally include us as humans and we, we can be part of this, the problem with it is that it does not have and guarantee uh, social or economic rights. Nothing in the Constitution on social or economic rights. So they're not bound on any level of law to even change their attitude of white supremacy is working for them until they're brought into accountability along with corporations under international law. It's right there for us to do. Uh, I have a... Uh, a show coming up uh, next week will have a recording of a conversation with the director of Black Law Enforcement Association who's hosting a gentleman that I'm familiar with who um, was in the world courts uh, in Geneva or in Brussels when uh, Katrina happened and he is going into the world courts. He's written a document and petition the world courts uh, concerning the extrajudicial police killings. But my thing is that uh, he, first of all, should be opening this up for everybody to understand. And uh, we should be entering the world courts as a people, not just as a group or, or excuse me, an organization or a city or a special interest. 
we need that we need that identity to be recaptured in Sankofa and self determination. I'm not really happy with how, how uh, do you the do that, African brother Robin? Designation that that uh, 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 Jesse Jackson campaigned for. I, I just there's how no how do you present as a people when when our community is so fractured? It is fractured by class, colorism, and uh, uh, otherwise. Uh, we're not a monolithic people, but what, what we do have in common is the reverse of the one drop rue on the ass. And, and, and with that, our descendants of African American slaves is an identity. We're the most genetically diverse people on earth. And, and so that means we have European, native blood, and otherwise, uh, on our, with our African base. And so, uh, we're indigenous. We're a unique being that was promulgated out of this uh, uh, oppression of white supremacy. We, we, we came into being uh, uh, as a different type of African-Americans, you want to call it. We've been Negro, black, colored, a whole bunch of things that the white man designates, by the way, over a period of our, our short lifetime already. And so my thing in self-determination is then we're declaring ourselves indigenous, given all the rights of having been and, and started here, Okay, and referencing our African and native and white blood and, and the uniqueness of who we are, because we're using the same paradigm that a white man is using for colorism, for 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 the one drop rule. We got these issues with a with a young brother. What's his name? That they uh, said that he's white and he's uh, Sean King. Yeah, that the high yellow thing. I've had to deal with that shit all my life, being light skinned you know, my mind ain't light. I ain't never worked in nobody's house, never aspired to do so, and you couldn't make me. And so, you know, uh, so we need to get past some things, too, in our mental health deprogramming. Because, like, one of the things about human rights law is disparate outcome. Now, the last word, outcome. The outcome is the PSTD. The outcome is the disparities in health. The outcome is the, 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 the colonizing uh, curriculum. The outcome are all of these oppressive experiences coming from these institutions of white supremacy. So to me, that lays the openness of the door for the whole reparations argument and shuts down any counter to it. But again, you know, the groundswell is local. I love the protesters. I love the re we protesters, Black Lives Matter. Uh, uh, some people say, oh, that protesting doesn't, doesn't do anything. But I think that... Uh, on all levels, change is coming because we're working in a lot of different circles on a lot of different levels uh, to address white supremacy. And uh, I, I'm glad in my heart by that. But I am not looking for a white man to be elected into to president of white supremacy to or a white woman for that uh, matter. That. <laughs> or a white woman for that matter. Whoever, or a black man for hey, that matter. Exactly. Exactly. You know what's really funny for all you know, and I I wrote a page on. See, I'm I, I'm mixed, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I but I was born like in the fifties when uh, it was against the law. Sixty two was the miscegenation law change, whereas uh, Obama is not uh, uh, illegal. Okay, so but the irony there is that you know for all of this embracing of this man, he has no DNA at all. Uh, uh, related to the African slavery experience in this country. 
mm-hmm. okay, as a black American, as an African American. This is why Dr. Randall was uh, keen to differentiate when she entitled the Shadow Report Deus, descendants of African Americans, uh, African slavery, okay? And so that's the des- those are the recipients uh, of the, the, the deepest oppression. And should be the recipients of the reparations also, be it mental health and otherwise. Uh, and so that identity is a true identity, in my opinion. And it comes in a color gradient, and, and it comes in the experience of it. But uh, uh, the issue of white supremacy uh, uh, being fixed as an antidote on somebody's uh, presidential platform as a Johnny-come-lately insert because some Negroes uh, uh, threatened to uh, interrupt their flow, and so that to me, you know, is, is, is whatever work that they're scrambling to do to address new policies that he's going to like insert into his, I don't really see it being played out in Congress, Senate, or otherwise in reality, okay, much less the states. So my thing again is like stepping out of this puddle that we live in and go to dry land and talk to the world, which is majority us. Majority of us been waiting all along for African Americans to stand up. That's why they they have a certain level of disgust uh, 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 from other countries. They at least have sovereignty, identity, you know, and uh, 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 we don't even embrace that, you know. Uh, don't seek it, you know. Uh, uh, and so I don't think the answers lie within the framework. U.S. is who is the U.S. accountable to? It should be accountable to the world community when it signs a world community treaty. Okay, and I'm not really into the U.N. either, but I I just visualize. Well, shoot, if all of our leadership was like functioning inside the U.N., getting them jobs, voicing themselves, being critiqued, and functioning in their own capacity without that white supremacist framework or institutions, they would we would like. I think grow to that self-actualize as a people, if you will, and have a legal a platform where we can make things change. Because if you go ever look at the UN, is what three quarters of the world or a lot more is is non-white and been oppressed with white supremacy in his own way through the spectrum of globalism and war and otherwise, you know, through these corporations. But at any rate, man, the mega data. Uh, we're fighting now to get statistics from police, okay? And that could be demanded, you know, through the UN uh, uh, treaty anyway. And when it talks about disparate outcomes, you're obviously talking about a mass information to make that determination. And we're not really applying technology. I mean, these folks got artificial intelligence, okay? And we're still uh, grappling about setting up websites uh, uh, killed by police and 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 the government is not even demanding uh uh reports from all well they should demand reports from all violations of discrimination and racism they should demand all reports from civil society local state federal government feed that into a, a a artificial intelligence let that be analyzed uh, at referencing white supremacy, not just discrimination in housing and employment under the Civil Rights Act after folks got beat up in March and begged for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm about self-determination, and we have power if we take hold of the reins of our own 
destiny, if you will, and I don't even want to use that Greek term, but if we just seek um, the only answer to what I see pending as a race war. I don't even want to talk about that. These rednecks, you know, folks got to defend themselves against racists, and these folks got are bunkered in because of the economic collapse. We don't talk about that, that whole spectrum here on this show, but um, our folks need to come together with an identity and, and like, find an uh, answer, uh, not within this system. It ain't worked for us to date. I'm not really putting my promise in this election campaign round either that it's going to change things. In fact, you know, uh, white folks probably going to swell back up and say, okay, we gave you your token. They're going to tokenize Obama and, and, and try to resurrect, as they're attempting to do each and every day, white supremacy, you know taking away votes, all this retrograde uh, behavior uh, uh, just shows that at its core, this place is the U.S. government documents the founding is a white supremacist uh, uh, system. Only in the U.S. and South Africa are you born with a colored designation on your birth certificate. We were born in France, we'd be French. Canada, Canadian. United States, oh, you got a whole list. Negro, Native, and island pacific or whatever multi other you know and we don't even know who's doing these designations uh the census bureau we don't really know that process and who makes that up you know why they're why they're identifying uh, uh latinos some as white and arabs as white and even north africans as white uh and to address the depleted uh um, numbers and why they formulate a uh, economic control like they did in South Africa where they might be the minority but they own everything and they own the, the means for us to survive as people of color in terms of food and shelter and otherwise and so we have 700 cities we need to really readjust uh, uh, our local campaigns to expand uh, our understanding as human rights uh, Jackson, Mississippi is the model, folks, uh, with due respect to Shockwave and Bumba. He saw that vision of how that could be done and on a local level, and, he, and they're following through with that in terms of enacting uh, human rights law into local law. So, so tonight, um, I would like to involve uh, in our campaign protest demands uh, metadata. That should be one of our demands metadata, a portal on racism that pulls, because they've got reports on their own violations and complaints, but no one sees it because there's no demand, just like federal government, again, has yet to demand that all information of violations and force, use of force should be uh, forwarded to a central database for analyzation. So Brother Robin, that, I, I think I, I, before we close it out, I, I don't think I've ever gotten um, your opinion on this, but one of the things we were looking at through New Abolitionist Radio after the Justice Department completed its investigation and issued its report on Ferguson, um, we are we have been looking at it or at least examining a tactic of using RICO laws to go after these police departments, sheriff departments, whoever, whether it's a city government, if if we can document 
everything like the Justice Department documented how they were doing policing for profit, how the city was making money off of that. New York right. City show, you know, the cops said, oh, we'll show you we're going to uh, uh, shut we're we're going to do a work stoppage and that's going to prevent 10 million dollars a week from going into the city coffers. So they know what they're doing. To, to me, this is organized crime, and that is what RICO uh, uh, laws are for. And I only recently found out this year that you can actually sue someone in a civil court under RICO and be awarded monetary damages. What What are your thoughts about using RICO laws in the wake of, you know, anything else for the moment of going after some of these institutions that are that are involved Violating, in this. Right. Yes. What are your thoughts? Um I say the problem I mean it's federal. That's going after them federal lawsuits. Um they involve a lot of time, involve a lot of money. Uh, they res result in not only time delays, but even if they end up in the Supreme Court, then you have this cast of characters that represent basically a right-wing mentality and policy uh, are are in control. So, you know, I would say I would go uh, to international courts, but I would also try it. I would try. I would try every avenue. And I would fill the courts. Be honest about it. Like, you know, I, when I was in the prison and was doing uh, legal work, they called us. Uh, a lot of the uh, uh, the lawsuits were frivolous in their mind, and we were blogging up the system because they have to address each one. And so I would say that, you know, speaking of metadata, that uh, we need to find out how many court actions in referencing these, these type of uh, actions and causes have been made and, and continue them. And then, and then whatever you do, model it so someone else can do it. Well, actually, we haven't, uh, um, we came up with this right after Ferguson. We started talking about, you know, the different laws. And we was like, this is RICO. This is organized crime. And, and why hasn't the Justice Department there saying that federal laws were broken, but they ain't prosecuting nobody? So let's go after them ourselves. And, and so we were just use, you know, kicking that around as an ideal. A, a organization, a anti, a pro drug war organization sued a legal marijuana business in Colorado and, and forced them, they sued them using RICO statutes. They sued a legal cannabis business under the RICO laws and that, and, and instead of wanting to fight it in court and whatnot, that marijuana business just paid up $50,000 to the organization and shut their doors. They settled out of court and shut their doors because they didn't have, I guess they didn't have the money or didn't want to be right. bogged down. In the thing, so the 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 strategy has already been tested, and we think that they got that idea from us, bro, because we was the only ones talking about it. And then next thing I know, months later, uh, well, hell, just this month, earlier this month, I read from um, I forget the name of uh, the dr drug war stop the drug war dot org, and they published an article citing how this this pro drug war organization was able to shut down this cannabis business using RICO statutes. 
So apparently wow. it can be done. We could go after these these institutions through the federal courts again, of federal course. Federal and international. Yeah. Because they have but I'm saying under under RICO. I'm saying under RICO. You know, RICO wouldn't apply internationally. I'm just saying under using RICO as a way. And, and again, like you mentioned, there's still no guarantee that you would win. But I think it's it's a strategy worth exploring. Well, you're getting you're publishing all the attempts within the system to 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 address issues that, that, and 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 taking it on. That's like taking it on systemically. Basically, you 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 see the conspiracy, you connect the dots, follow the money, and the theory is evident in the disparate outcomes. I mean, is the records are there? But here's a counter question. So so. So the federal government, the FBI, has a definition codified as to what a terrorist is. Mm-hmm. All right. Meanwhile, the KKK it fits that definition exactly. Right. So does the white supremacist that blew off his own leg in New York. Mm-hmm. But they won't use that language. So did Dylan Roof. So right. Was in his they fit that description, but they won't apply it to these European uh, white Americans that are engaging in violent acts against people and innocent victims out of a hate philosophy and using violence in in an organized fashion. But see, in a RICO, if I think I understand what you're asking me, see, in a RICO, I would lean on Neely Fuller's teaching and use non-racialized language. Just call them criminals and show the crime that they committed against the citizens of Ferguson or the citizens of St. Louis County. Well, of course, that's the language you have to use. Right. Yes. Right. But but uh, I'm just describing it in other terms. But okay, I, I agree. Uh, and I was really disappointed that the uh, Black Lives Matter or the law for Black Lives Matter gathering wasn't streamed. They just did an intro video and then there was no feedback and debrief because I would like to have interacted and we have the technology where they could have had a webinar interactive to have more participants as well mm-hmm. because they were inclusive of legal, you know, jailhouse lawyers. Uh, and my push was the human rights. When when it was when are we going to take the uh, the plan to to the international courts? Well, I, mean, I know you was happy then to see that language on that new website yeah, by yeah. those activists where they mentioned human rights, and you the first person I thought of when I read that. I know language. you did because <laughs> you know that's all I'm about. It's, yeah, uh, they see it because, for example, if they're dealing with the Palestinians' plight, they're dealing with human rights. And, you know, we need to crowd these human rights organizations ourselves with our own plight and also man the helm of some of these organizations because this, you know, uh, they've got uh, a major, major uh, 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 budgets. I mean, Human Rights Watch is, what, 30 million? And they're manned by people coming out of government and, and universities. See, that, that, that makes jobs. me think, though, that they just a, another gatekeeper for white supremacy. They all are. That's mm-hmm. my point, is that we either we take over or we build institutions that, that, that are really focused, you know, on all areas of people's activity. I mean, we need a legal. We need ongoing legal, uh, 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 you know, we should have a legal machine just spitting it out because all these violations are also federal violations and they're certainly human rights violations. And I'm talking in their premise. I'm talking, uh, in their policy development. 
You know, that shows an intent. You know, the outcome proves it. I'm talking stop and frisk, you know, profiling. You know, there are just just the the means by which they carry out their oppression mm -hmm. is promulgated within systems, they're, they're, right? They're within institutions, right? Policies generated by money. Now, where does that money come from? Money is allocated by federal government, by philanthropic foundations, and most of these people, when they apply for money, they use an ever-changing code language. Racist code language. They this money is for a target group, mm -hmm. uh, for the for this distressed community, for at risk population. All these coded and they set up whole systems. A lot of folks making a living off of that law that says that these this money should be here to address this issue for these people or these circumstances. They set up systems. And then the circumstances don't change. Well, something that was important that I think you just said, uh, they use code, codification. And I think that we have to become, as a, as a, a working group, that we have to become more codified in, in the way that we fight them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I want you to check out this word, too, because uh, how, that, that, how that happens is through neologism. Neologism? Yes, neologisms. Okay, yes. okay. Neologisms, neologisms. Uh, it's a creation of a word with a with a plan to change and and and, and make it popular. For example, uh, um, the, uh, the media is able to echo and create neologisms and echo it, and then they become norm and parlance in our conversations mm -hmm. without anybody having a real strict definition of what the fuck it really means i mean that even applies to racism that's why it's not codified but neologisms like like um um not shock and awe but um 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 how they identify those who are against the uh, united states um um even the word terrorist is a neologism Mm -hmm. Because by its initial description, it represents the white folks that were flying in their planes, dropping dynamite in Tulsa, uh, and right off the top because of their their fear of economic independence. So, are Jealousy you it, it does, is neologism sort of like um, defining or 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 like taking up. a taking a word like terrorism and then creating a perception of what a ter terrorist is, like you mentioned. It's not applied to, right. to white terrorists, but it's applied to non-white people. It's the coinage process. Okay. It's new gotcha. phrase. Propaganda. The, coin, the coining of new or use of new words. Okay. Gotcha. And so, yeah, they, they coin terms and then they like reverse racism responded mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, uh, and then... You know, they'll, they'll come up with weak terms and weak descriptions, white skin privilege. No, it's white supremacy. The system is white supremacy, but they want to, you know, so they control the language, control the narrative mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very important how we dissect, you know, I put, I post everything because I want the people to, to, to grow and comment, oh shit, you posted something from a white wing. I don't really care because y'all all racist to me. <laughs> you either racist or, or anti-racist. <laughs> So, you know, I, I don't have that kind of ally accountability where I'm accountable to white people's feelings. You know what I'm saying? That's uh -huh. not right. They use language 
as a, as a tool to talk over our heads, promulgate laws, set new policies, uh, be obscure so that they can uh, duck out of the meaning when you try to hold them into accountability, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so if we're not controlling our own language in terms of, you know, using the proper terms, decoding theirs, we do that. We do that because we watch these people all the time. Right. But we need our own coinage. <laughs> mm -hmm. We need our own currency, like Gaddafi. We, we, but we'll do it in terms. We need gold coinage, you know, in terms of describing white man. We need to, in, in terms of the system I'm speaking of, uh, and I think that can happen in the international arena. Just being, just African Americans functioning at the UN as a people, manning jobs and positions and flying over and and and, and developing uh, a way to hold uh, this system into accountability because our goal is reparations, mm -hmm. for one. So you're you talking know. about finishing the work that Malcolm X started? Well... In terms of, of addressing the, the U.N. Yes. Uh, well that's, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. I follow you, bro. I mean, we've been we've been stagnated, man. I mean, mm -hmm. they've made an industry. I mean, civil rights is an industry. If you think of the amount of money that's in civil rights from schools, education, mm -hmm. lawyers, uh, 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 so-called civil rights leaders, civil rights organizations, big, big industry. But I'm not seeing the, the, the end result as terms of elevating the, the value right. of the black body, which is... Being or stopping as, the as, oppression, period. Right. It's not happening. Right. And, there, and why isn't, why isn't, well, I know why, but NAACP, they doing that kumbaya thing here in North Carolina, and it's like a flashback when they need to be flashing forward with human rights and connecting with the Black Lives Matter. You're talking about the Moral the Monday protest. need to get out the pulpits and get mm -hmm. in the streets and be uh, servants. Uh, that structure, we, we need deprogramming. That's why I, I, I don't even want money for our people. I want institutions that we build to deprogram ourselves and then build. But we don't even have a mechanism or infrastructure to receive that uh, uh, if we went to the international arena. You know, we don't have an uh, infrastructure built uh, on human rights at all in this country, you know. And and we're humans first. We are born with that. That's what I, I hold to. And, and yeah, that's Malcolm X's message. I share that. I mean, I he's been a part of my life since I was young, having read on him and lived around the corner from where he was brought up in uh, Lansing, Michigan. And I have family there, and you know, um, um, just the the idea that uh, to be a world citizen, to be fully human. Um, we need to be able to stand uh, in the international arena. Wherever you go, there you are. And so um, I do believe in carrying, over, uh, carrying out and furthering, as does a lot of groups and peoples working uh, internationally and otherwise, uh, to bring our voice to the world. And our plight is a system. It's self-perpetuating. And all of our pleadings and policies and otherwise has not worked to date. And I'm not really thinking that we re rehashing the same process that has brought mm -hmm. us today to today mm -hmm. is going to work for us. Something right. new, something uh, that we develop uh, uh, through our own self-determination. So with that, though, metadata is, is, is ours. We have a right to that information. 
uh, and we need to aggregate it. We need to uh, contact uh, Southern India and hook up with some uh, some brothers, um, some, some Dalits, and some uh, some brothers that are with the high IT IQ and get up on uh, building our own systems, not websites, portals. We need we need to really demand a campaign for a portal that not only includes the police killings but all violations of human rights vis-a-vis -vis racism, white supremacy. And with that, uh, I'm going to end this show and appreciate the time. Um, wasn't expecting to talk. I really don't like to talk, and then I've been talking. But you have so, so much great information to share, Brother Rob, and that's why I'll be trying to encourage you, man. An hour goes by fast. We actually did an hour and a half, but you have a lot of unique insights that our people need to hear and, and, and opinions and views that are not uh, reaching, you know, the masses like they should. That's true. That's true. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. All right. Peace out.